welcoming you to Limo, a small fishing village in southern Papua New Guinea. A crowd has gathered around, waiting for us to introduce ourselves. Good morning. My name is Kate. I am a graduate student in linguistics at Stanford University. We'll be working with Warama and the language committee to work on Ende language. We'll be creating a dictionary and collecting uh, notes for the first Ende grammar. I really want to thank Warama and Wagiba for inviting us here and sharing their home. We're so happy to be here. It's beautiful. Thank you. It took us almost two weeks to get to Limo. After our two-day flight to Australia, we had to wait three days before we could take a charter plane to Papua New Guinea. Three days after we landed in Daru, the capital of Western Province, Papua New Guinea, we boarded a small boat that would take us and 10 other passengers up the Fly River, down the Bitoria River, and drop us off at a footpath from which we could walk to Limol village. The boat ride took a little bit longer than expected. Instead of arriving in the afternoon on the day we left, we didn't reach the footpath until the following evening. Thankfully, after I stepped off the long boat ride and before we started on the hour-long walk to the village, one of the village leaders came up to me and handed me a roasted sweet potato. Over the next three weeks, I would learn just what that sweet potato meant to the people in Limo. Papua New Guinea is a developing country located just north of Australia. Almost 40% of the people living in Papua New Guinea still live in traditional, self-sustaining communities. In the south of Papua New Guinea is Western Province. It's the most resource-poor and isolated province in the country. Outside of Daru, which is the capital of Western Province, you won't find any infrastructure. There are no cities, no paved roads, no markets, no money, no hospitals, no water or plumbing systems, and no electricity. It's practically the last touched place in the world. And right in the center of Western Province is Limol. Limol village is one of two villages that speak the Ende language. 300 people live here. I'm the first visitor in 20 years and the first white person that most villagers have seen. I came by invitation from Warama Krupa, one of the leaders in the village. He asked for a linguist to come help write down stories and to start the first Ende dictionary. Part of my job as a linguist 
is to collect words for the dictionary. For example, if we want to get the words for beak, feather, tail, all the body parts of a bird, all we have to do is look at a bird and start naming things. So this are the tail feathers here, yes. and this is the undertail right here, and the purukom. Purukom agenya. Ge ge kumara the jamba that was Joshua and other men from the Ende Language Committee. They were teaching me about the names for different types of bird feathers. However, for the dictionary, we also want to translate the meanings of those words. When you're translating parts of a bird, you can point to the parts and then give an equivalent English name for that part. But this type of translation gets much harder when you're talking about a word that you can't point to. One word that I had a hard time translating was the word love. The Ende language has a word for love. The word love. Mukwang. But Mukwang doesn't quite mean the same thing as our word for love. For Ende, Mukwang is giving somebody a sweet potato or a bucket of water. Mukwang is when you help other people survive. The word love means to love my family members in such a way that when they're in need, I give them food, yam or cassava or anything, sago, meat like that. That's what love means, to share with people. Love means to share a yam. Because if you give me a yam, or a sweet potato, that means I will survive another day. I don't have to go get my own sweet potato, and instead I can get water for my children. When I first heard that the source of love was in the exchange of possessions, I was surprised. Love can't be about things, can it? Since I was little, my mom always told us kids, it's just stuff. When a car broke down or something special got lost or ruined, my mom always said, it's just stuff. Things don't matter. What's important is that we love each other and that we're all together. Before I left for Limo, an anthropologist told me that it was too bad that I was a woman. He said that it would be more difficult for me to find out what the men in Papua New Guinea thought and did, as if the men there were the only ones thinking or doing things. In fact, the women of Limo were the perfect people to help me figure out what love, what Mokwang, means in Ende. And it's not because love is some girly, feminine, or emotional thing. No, in Ende, Mokwang means survival. And the village survives on the backs of the women. We asked 40 women about Mokwang, and both new mothers and respected elders gave us the same answer. To me, the word love symbolizes the intense emotion that I feel when I think about my partner, my twin, 
my family, or my best friends. Their love for me gives me the mental strength to achieve goals that I thought impossible. In return, my love for them gives my life purpose. It gives me happiness. Most of the time, thousands of miles separate me from the ones I love. But for me, that distance doesn't mean anything when I think about love. For the women in Limal, though, Mekong was never described as a feeling that could transcend distance or time. Most often, women define love as the exchange of material possessions. Giving is really big thing. My parents, they said, you give to others, you will have more blessings. Next, you'll hear from Jenny. She told us a story about someone she loves. One day, she had taken all of her family's clothing down to the river to wash. She didn't own a laundry dish, so she had left them to soak in a shallow area. She came back an hour later and found... My clothes, the water took them. Clothes are very hard to come by in Limal. So understandably, Jenny was devastated. One day, though, her father-in-law came back from a long voyage to the city, and he brought with him a laundry dish. So when this old man bought me this laundry dish, I was very happy. So when I cook food, I always put this plate to When I find something good, I give him a share, and I love him. Pingham, one of the oldest women in the village, also told us that she's happiest when her children bring her gifts. I used to be very happy when I'm in need, when I don't have any food in the house. And if my sister or my brother's daughters or my sister's daughters, when they bring me meat or fish to have it with my dry sago, and I used to be very happy and I used to thank them. Like us, when the women in Limol talked about love, they talked a lot about their children and their mothers. Here is Manoliato singing us a lullaby that she sings for her nine children. Eta kagi bini bega yes pegagi si di bapi luli lambapi yes tueno ba kanaba ewamina ewamina Women spend most of their days, most of their lives, gathering food for their children. Grandmother Pingham's mother was an especially impressive provider. My mother was a very hardworking lady. My mother goes hunting, she kills Kaswari. She killed pig, deer, and she bring them to the house. She moved them and she feed me with the meat and she grew me up. I look exactly like my mother, how she talks and do everything. It's exactly like me. When the women grew older, and they had kids of their own, their mothers would often still help them. Loni tells us about her mother and how she would babysit for her while she went fishing. While going fishing, I used to tell mother, oh, you helped me to look after the baby, I'll fish. And she used to follow me. She used to look after that small boy at the canoe place. I used to go and fish, throw fishing line, get fish, come back. I used to share with her, give some fish.
fish today and ours too. When I hear about how much these women struggle to provide for their children, I would never doubt that they love them very, very much. But for Robai, whose story we will hear next, she told me that she, she felt she wasn't able to fully love her children because she couldn't send them to school. When I think of the word love, I love my children and anybody that comes my way. But this love that doesn't really work out because in some ways I don't support my children. I feed my children with food, with fish, with anything. But to support them in school and in their clothing, I can't manage that. Because how can I, where can I get money to support my children? For Robai, loving your children isn't an emotion. It's a promise to help them survive and be successful. After their children, the women talked a lot about their husbands, but not in a way that you might expect. None of the women talked about love as a feeling that grew after years of knowing one another. Instead, it was always a sudden decision about banding together for survival. What, what did you talk about when you first met? Oh. <laughs> yeah, he told me I'll, yeah, I'll get married to you. That's the first thing he said? Yes. <laughs> Uh, when we first met, I told him, I love you. I want you to be my husband because you are a very hardworking and good hunter, good uh, killer. And you are a strong man. My life will match with you and I will live with you. And he also expressed me the same words. <laughs> the first time I saw him, I told him that I love you. And himself too, he said, I love you. So that's how we got married. We loved each other. And how do you show each other that you love each other? We loved each other in many ways. The way I look after him, he ta takes care of me. And him, me too, I take care of him. So that's how we love each other. What I want... The, what I want, if I want something else from him, if I want him to bring something for me, and I asked him, he also he brings it for me. So that's how he loves me. And me too, if he tells me, bring this for me or cook for me, I could do that, do those work for him, and that shows that I love him. This expectation of love extends past the immediate family to all relatives, and even the whole village. To illustrate this concept of love, Donai told us about a courageous battle with a crocodile when she was out fishing with her young daughter. The day that we went to Enganet the next morning, me and my daughter, both of us went to check those tree nets. When I was checking the long net, the crocodile, big crocodile caught on the long net. While I was pulling it, the crocodile too was sinking it inside. And what it did, it wrapped himself like this. I thought that crocodile was small and I was trying to... I was trying to hold it and close the mouth, but it bit it, it, it on that thumb. <laughs> and then I got one stick, I sharpened it. it the, I was thinking that the crocodile was still, it was already there, but it was still alive. And then it opened its big mouth, and I pushed that stick in through, through the mouth. <laughs> I was very happy. I was thanking God. That, oh, thank you for giving this very big meat, and it's also money. I was very happy and singing that song same time. After that, I came to the house, now everybody the news spread. I killed a crocodile and brought it home. Everybody, all the village people, they came. They came to see the crocodile. 
after we cook it over the fire and they took the skin off. And then we mumbled it. After, after the mumbled, now I shared that crocodile with the whole community. Crocodile skin is very valuable in Papuan markets, and meat of any kind is a coveted delicacy in the village. But Donai didn't think twice about sharing it with everybody. And that's what Mokwang is. In fact, it's practically a law in Limo that you must love everyone, even strangers. I was surprised to learn that the women felt that they must not only love their family and their neighbors, but total strangers like me. When we are coming back from the camping place, the first person we meet on the road, we must not hide anything from them. We share what, what we have had in our bags, like if we killed cassowary or pig meat or deer in our camp and we are coming back home, if we meet anybody on the road, the first person we meet, we must stop and then share what little we have in the bag. Come all the way, if you meet other people too, until you come to the village. And before, like when you kill cassowary, that's a big meat. They used to equally share the, share the meat among everybody in the village. When I was preparing to come to Limo, I was advised constantly, bring plenty of gifts, everyone will expect something from you. But as I learned more about Ende Love, I realized that this poor community wasn't hoping to take advantage of a rich white visitor. No, the Ende's happiest moments are entering the village after a long journey, opening their bags and sharing their gifts with everyone. And so naturally, when they saw me walk into the village heavy with bags, they assumed that I would also want to open up my bags and share my joy with everyone. In return, over the next three weeks, women came to my house every single day to open their bags for me. They brought fish, yams, sago, and one day, someone brought me a rare and delicious papaya. Once during my stay, I went with the women to harvest the yams. That day, I came home after six hours of hard labor. My body was tired, my head was dazed by the hot sun, and my mind reeled from the injustice as we had to carry those heavy yams past all the young men in the village. I learned that day how much blood and sweat and tears go into the yam harvest. I learned that when a woman hands me a yam, it's not just a yam, it's a symbol of her labor, her strength, and most of all, her love. Typically, American conversations about love center on romance and desire. We talk about love as an emotional transcendent experience. I had always considered materialism and gifts to be symbolic of a rather shallow kind of love. But my experience in Limao showed me that Mokwang is not shallow. It's actually a very deep and profound expression. In fact, I think Mokwang represents the highest level of love, what we would call sacrificial love. When I think about the most profound expression of love, I think about running into a burning building, donating a kidney, protesting for human rights. In Limo, though, the dangers are different. Love is a bucket of water for someone too weak to fetch it. 
Love is a basket of yams for someone who feeds her seven children before she feeds herself. Love is a laundry basket for someone who's lost all of her clothes. Some of us are lucky enough to be able to express this kind of sacrificial love once in a lifetime. The end day women get to love like this every single day. Mama de Vía.